Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 35 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled Man Overboard. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Amen. Amen. Okay, as we move on in the days of Noah, I want to continue uh, on with Jonah. In this day that we're living in, we see so shall the coming of the Son of Man be the whole focal point of everything we do and teach. Uh, basically, after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you have the ascension of Christ, and now we are looking for His second coming. So when you see Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then uh, beyond the uh, those four Gospels, you can understand the Scripture better if you understand they're written in light of the second coming of Christ. They're written in light of His coming. He will be coming soon. And so it is a... And so as, we're, as we understand the New Testament written in the light of the second coming of Christ and then its conclusion is the book of Revelation, we start seeing... Uh, and the scriptures start making more sense to us. And so we, we, we are encouraged to live our lives as though Christ's second coming could be today. All right, that sets up a mindset. It's there again, it, it, it comes against any too much of, of uh, long range planning, right? All of a sudden, he could come today, but yet we're, we tend to have a little bit of long range uh, planning also, but his coming should definitely be the main topic or the main thing in our understanding of us looking forward. Now, when we have that in our spiritual mindset, what it does is it works as a set of governors on what we spend our emotion and our spirit into. It's a set of governors, and the second coming of Christ, uh, that information, the reality of that is to be a set of governors on our spiritual life and on our natural life. And so we allow that, we embrace that uh, to be that type of mechanism. I want to read just a little short story here. I, I just love short stories. I, I've read them uh, all my life. I just little, every now and then I'll just go to, my mother loved short stories. I'm sure it's where I got it from. And she would use them as examples um, this is not a Bible story. It's just a little short story written. And if you would, let just, we'll read it here. A wise woman who was traveling in the mountains found a precious stone in a stream. The next day she met another traveler who was hungry. And the wise woman opened her bag to share her food. The hungry traveler saw the precious stone and asked the woman to give it to him. She did so without hesitation. The traveler left rejoicing in his good fortune. He knew the stone was worth enough to give him security for a lifetime. But a few days later, he came back to return the stone to the wise woman. I've been thinking, he said, I know how valuable the stone is, but I give it back in the hope that you can give me something even more precious. Give me what you have within you that enabled you to give me something more precious. Give me what you have within you that enabled you to give me the stone. There again, author <laughs> unknown. The, uh, and it, so it is as Christians. So it is as Christians. Will we give another that that is so precious to us? That is the question. Now, keep that in mind as we move forward into this teaching of Jonah. There again, the time period, 
I keep adding to this little time period definition each Sunday. The time of deceptions, delusion, illusions, false perceptions, progressive reinterpretations, selfish prophets, and today, running prophets. I'm sure that will not apply to anyone in this room. I'm sure God just had me give this teaching just to pass time. Progressivism is the new paganism. Now, we discussed this a little bit in the last two weeks. The progressive movement is the new paganism. We want to look at that. Progressivism, the progressive movement, is the new paganism. Now, let that settle in real good. America is being paganized. Just a reality. Probably a whole lot like Nineveh. What is happening to America? We are changing from Christian to pagan. That's what's happening to America today. Paganism is quickly growing. It's a growing spiritual movement based on the religion of the ancient world. So as progressives today would like for you to believe that what they are carrying or what they are, are, are embracing is new, fresh ideas. Lie number one, it is old ideas, and it's old ideas of, ancient, of the ancient world. That's truth number one. Now, the question is, who will warn America? Are our messengers running from God? Now, I ask you to think of someone other than yourself that you think is running from God that is a messenger. I dare say nobody jumped into your mind. So therefore, we will now have to look at ourselves as this messenger that is running from God. You did well. Are we more concerned with judgment than mercy? Now, for prophets, this is a hard one. This is just so hard. Because they're speaking for God, they feel like, and uh, that is through a religious pride that uh, they feel like to announce the judgment of God is, uh, is, is, is just like there's great pride can be found in that. And that's very soulish, of course. Now, judgment is coming, but mercy is our hope. Here is what we want that is usually not in the prophetic, and that's the mercy of God. It's always judgment. Judgment's coming. Now, it, it just so happens the prophets uh, tend to have to speak of the judgment of God, of, of this is what God's saying and the judgment of God's coming. But here's something we want to see through Jonah today. God is always working behind the scenes on our behalf. Now, that's the faithfulness of God. It's not the reward of your obedience to God. Can somebody hear that? It's, it's, it's because of the nature of God. It's not the reward of your obedience, even though we do recommend obedience to God. Now, Jonah was a man who ran from telling of the coming judgment because he wanted people to experience God's judgment. That's amazing. God was sending Jonah with a message. But he ran from giving the message because he wanted Nineveh to get the judgment. So he actually, Jonah actually thought 
if he didn't take the message, that the only thing left was judgment. So therefore, he was caught judging God. Can you hear that? To give the judgment of God. You see, Jonah was so concerned that God was, would exercise mercy. If they repented, he knew he would. He didn't, Jonah didn't like that. So it's in the prophet's nature to want to give judgment without mercy. It just so happens we're better versed in judgment than we are mercy. And then the prophet, it just so happens, wants mercy for himself, but not for others. Now, God had said to Jonah, and I watch this, I want you to take my word of warning to your enemies because I will soon destroy them if they don't repent. Here we see the call of God. So Jonah here had a specific call. I venture to say, everyone in this room, I, and, and I don't, let, let me say this. A New Testament believer has the call of a prophet. That's right. You have the call of an evangelist. You do. An evangelist is someone that's speaking forth the will of God. A prophet is someone who speaks forth the will of God. Now, I wish you would really get comfortable with that concept of being prophetic for God. Uh, because we have a lot to do. God needs all of us. God wanted Jonah to preach to Nineveh, but Jonah's offense blocked his ability to speak the truth of God. This is blasphemy. Now this is, you know, I'm carrying it a step further today and giving you the understanding. What Jonah was guilty of was blasphemy. So Alan, how do you connect those dots? Let's watch this. Now, Jonah... The idea was Jonah was to be obedient unto the words of God. Instead, Jonah was wanting to be a judge and use, use God's power. Jonah wanted to be the judge. He wanted God to be the power unit to destroy Nineveh because Jonah didn't like Nineveh because Nineveh hated the Jews. But Jonah was going to act as judge. You see, that was a judgment for him to go the other way and not take the message. So if you can hear me, we are sitting in here today, if we don't take the message of God, if we don't tell people of impending judgment and without repentance, but with repentance is mercy. If all of us in here, if you're waiting for somebody to do your work, don't come to me. I've got enough. We are all called to give the message of God. We're all Jonah sitting in here. Now watch this. Blasphemy is the act of insulting or showing contempt. Apostasy, a revolt or renunciation, implies or abandoning of a prescribed religious duty, especially disloyalty and defection. You see that? So what, so what was Jonah doing? It, when you get really down to the origin of his behavior, it was blasphemy against God. So, the, the non-believer has the option of not believing the truth. But the believer 
does not have the option of not giving the truth. Can you receive that? This is a prophetic class, and I'm speaking to prophetic people. So it's a blasphemy that I'm warning us against. We have been instructed to give the world the truth. It's not open for your discussion. A lot of times we want to change the truth of God, but it's one thing changing it, and it's another one in us holding back. I have found myself saying in conversation that God, unless we enter into another world war or something, I don't think America will wake up. Or until we have some major disaster, God, I just don't think we'll, we'll wake up. And, and what happens is when I get into that uh, type of thinking, I am forgetting about the mercy of God. We, we always have in our messages the word repentance. Now, you can say, well, I'm convinced nobody's going to repent. Well, I mean, this is true outside of the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. But God can send His Spirit in such a way that it such convicts a people and a nation that they can repent in a day. Why do you think God gave us Nineveh as an example? Are we pagan like Nineveh? Closer every day. Can we repent in a day like Nineveh? The answer is yes. And all prophets will be probably disappointed that God didn't send judgment. Now, watch this. Jonah knew if they repented, God would not destroy them. And then he would look like a prophet that was saying judgment is coming, but it never does. Anybody ever done that one? You know, uh, Jesus, uh, the second coming of Christ was what the apostles were looking for. But think about something. The second coming of Christ is held off now for 2,000 years. Do you know why? It's because of the mercy of God. God's mercy has been re-extended every generation for some reason. I cannot tell you the reasons. The Dark Ages looked like to me it should have been lost. But yet it wasn't. God, the Word of God's true, but you have to understand God always and can extend mercy. Get in the book of Revelation, we see there's going to be a time that that mercy is pulled back. But we are living in a day of that mercy. It's called the day of grace, the grace of God. And we need to rejoice that we are experiencing that grace. Now let's look at it quickly. He would be risking a reputation for being right. I mean, today prophets like to, prophetic people like to build a spiritual portfolio of how many times they were right. You ever notice that? Oh, now back over here 24 years ago, I said right there, it would rain. Praise God, it rained, I showed you. In other words, it's a portfolio of how right I can be. That in itself is wrong. <laughs> okay. But what? But it's what happened. What Jonah? What he was afraid about? Okay, I'll go preach judgment. God'll they'll repent. God'll show a mercy, and then I'll look like God didn't send His judgment. I think that's a prophet that was very selfish. He's just thinking about himself. Now, Nineveh was a long walk through the Arabian desert. Covered that a little bit last week. 
we see that Jonah was called to a city that hated Jews. He was to carry a message of repentance or God would destroy the city. Now, we must remember what God said to Jonah. He said, I want you to take my word of warning to your enemies because I will soon destroy them if they don't repent. Now, that is a message to America today. It just is. We're turning pagan. It's one thing to be pagan, and it's another thing to turn pagan. Can somebody hear me? Now, but Jonah knew God was loving and merciful, and if his wicked enemies actually repented, these undeserving enemies of Israel would get off scot-free. And what Jonah really wanted was judgment, not compassion. And so he did what? He ran. Now, you can, we can sit here and think that's not us, but I'm telling you it is. We can run. We can say, well, I don't have enough courage to tell the truth or to tell people about, I don't, I don't have. That's, that in itself is an act of running. That's what running looks like. Now, he took the long way to, to Nineveh, Jonah 1.3, but Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa. Uh, he found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare. He went down into it uh, to go with them into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, he said. Now, he learned something from this uh, verse. Number one, when we run from God, we are destined to go down, it says. We will pay a price that will cost us more than we want to pay. When we run from the will of God, even a safe place like Tarshish can be dangerous. Now, that is such a truth. You can, listen, you can try to go back anywhere you want to. It's not safe there. It's not but one safe place, and that's in the presence of God now and in, in being obedient unto him. Now, here we had old hard-hearted Jonah, I called him. I called him hard-headed last week, hard-hearted this week. Jonah, he headed for Tarsus, which was in the opposite direction of God's will for him. You got Nineveh this way and Tarshish this way. So when he ran, symbolically you can see the, the application, he ran in the opposite direction. Jonah signed up for a 2,500-mile trip instead of taking a 500-mile trip, and I went over that trip last week. My advice to a prophetic people is to take the easy way. You're not smart enough to navigate the long way or the hard way. Take the easy way. It is harder to disobey God than it is to obey Him. And this is where you say, duh, right? You're kidding. The easiest way to go and to move, you say, well, no, that's a hard way. No, it's not. It's easy. What's hard about it is being obedient. Now, the shortest way to an assignment from God is to go straight and do it. Shortest way. Now, let's, I want to hit in another concept. The creative power of sin. Don't let me lose you here. Sin has a creative power. I want us to take a little look here. As sinners, we are creative in how to cover our tracks. Now, this is amazing. Jonah, in his disobedience to God... In his running away from God, his creative sin took him in the opposite direction of God. So our creativeness does not help us in our call, the creativeness of sin. The problem is that others will see the danger in our choices. Are you with me? As prophetic people, 
as we're rebelling against God, we can see each other, and we can see um, a lot of times there's dangers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We can see the danger for each other or for the people of God. We can see the danger for America, yes. So it's, that's the prophetic seeing. We can also see the danger for each other. Now, I did not say that you're supposed to run and tell them. Take a note there. Write a note. Just because you can see it doesn't mean you have to say it. To say something out of season can bring death instead of life. That's right. See, the goal is not being right or wrong. Their goal is being obedient to God. Uh-oh, I lost you there. Well, I thought the goal was being right or wrong. No, the goal is not right or wrong. The goal is obedience. You can see right and wrong, but it's only to be applied by the hand of the Holy Ghost of God. I've done this example before. I can need, to, I can need a heart transplant, roll me into an operating room. Um, a doctor comes in there, cracks my head open. Oh, they sent in a brain surgeon, best brain surgeon in the land. But for me to have brain surgery when I'm needing a heart transplant can bring death instead of life. You've got to have the application of truth in the right season. You can plant, you plant corn an inch and a half deep, soil temperature 65 degrees, certain amount of soil moisture. You can do all these things. And it, you can hit those perfect things of planting corn in December and it'll sprout. It'll happen in November, in October. You can have days that that perfect timing or that perfect setting is there. But it's in the wrong season. So that truth will sprout up. It's too cold, it'll freeze, and it'll die. The, just because we got the truth, we got to understand the truth from the Word of God has to be applied in the right season for it to bring life. And that's another whole teaching in itself. But let's move on. Jonah booked a cruise on a ship of disobedience. Anybody ever had that booking agent? Huh? You ever done that one? The deception is we believe that God is with us in our disobedience when in fact it is Satan himself trying to destroy us. Now this is what, this is the creativeness of sin. And I'll tell you something. This creativeness is stronger, hear me, in a prophet than not, and that's the reason I say all of God's people today are prophetic. The creativeness of sin, because of your prophetic gifting, you can talk yourself into disobedience and think it's God quicker than a lost person. Yeah. That's right. You're very welcome. Call me a liar and you'll be wrong. The creative nature of a prophetic person is incredible especially when they're in sin. Now, Satan can align things to give us a sense of safety. Satan has the ability to make things that are wrong appear as right or even from God. I've had, I've told you before, I've had men come and see me and say, Alan, said, God sent me this woman. It's from God, everything. Just You just don't believe how God has orchestrated all these events. I say, yeah, but you're married. You're, you're already married. Yeah, but you don't understand. All of this stuff's lined up just perfect. I'm telling you, sin is creative. When it gets hold of the prophetic gifting, you'll think something's from God and it's from Satan. 
Now, there's a way you can tell the difference. I'm going to show you if you're interested. Here's, here's, here's what I want you to look at. And if there's anyone under the sound of my voice today that, you, that you're married and you're in another, you found somebody else God's going to send you, you're wrong. It's out of the pit of hell. You can like me or not like me. I don't care. I really don't because I'm more scared of God. I've got, to, I've got to say what's the truth I'm compelled to. Now, I want you to see this. When you no longer feel guilty of sin, then you have advanced to being a slave of sin. Is anybody with me? Could you feel the anointing right there? Say it again. When you no longer feel guilty of sin, now that's the key. I don't, I, and when I talk with people all the time and they'll tell me what's going on, I say, well, do you feel guilty of this? Or, or there's like that one gentleman and it's happened. Listen, men said that to me hundreds of times. I can't tell you. I could always play the recording of how God's created. And, oh, me. So the key is, and I'll ask him, I said, well, do you not feel guilty? Of this? No, it's God. I thought, uh-oh, he's, done, he's a slave now. And you're enslaved to that sin. Feeling guilty is the best thing that can happen to a believer. It's the best thing that can happen. Best thing that can happen. Praise God, we can feel guilty of sin. If you, if you are in sin and you no longer feel guilty, you have now become a slave unto that sin. You're in trouble. You're going to probably need to seek out some believers to help you break this hold of this demon that you've become a slave to. Now, here we go. Sin is a power that is always opposing God. That's what sin is. Sin is a, Jonah was in sin. This, this story has a happy ending. And just because things line up does not mean it's God's will. Now, please hear that prophetic people. Our decisions are what determine who is aligning our steps. You pick your booking agent. You're, listen to our prophetic people. Listen, your beginning choices is what engages the gift. Somebody hear me. Gift is somewhat generic. Gifting is gifting. Please hear me. Please get what I'm saying. What causes the gifting to work for God is in your beginning choice. Another man, another woman, choice, off limits. That's where the choice is made. You make the choice in the beginning. If you're in sin, you will justify the sin, and the enemy will make it look like it's God. Let, let me give you an example. If somebody's on crack cocaine. They're going to leave the city they're in so they lose all those friends. You can go to another city and within 24 hours, three crack dealers will find that person. If the reason is Satan will align your steps with the sin. I had a man who was trying to get set free of pornography and he came to me and we prayed and did what we were supposed to do. He was walking out, did great for two months, walked it out. 
He said he went to take his garbage to a dumpster, you know, big square dumpster. So he got all of his garbage from home, took it to the dumpster, threw it in the dumpster. When he threw it in the dumpster, somebody must have emptied a porno story, he said. He said there were thousands upon thousands of pornographic pictures in that dumpster. He said there were 10 or 12 dumpsters. How did I go to that one? I said it's because the enemy is aligning your steps. Can somebody hear what I'm saying? The spiritual world, spiritual world. You got to choose who your booking agent is. The decision's done up front. That's where you make your decision. Please, somebody, hear me. And somebody, or if your friend comes up to you and says, "Hey, hey, hey, I think you're making a wrong decision here. You need to think about it." Now, all right, that's enough of that. If your actions are rebellious to the will of God, the dark side will create a pathway that will lead you to destruction. Eventually, the storm will come. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Jonah 1.4. Jonah's disobedience was affecting those around him also. Now, that's, now well, look what happened. Jonah's man-made crisis was taking others into his storm. There again, Jonah's man-made crisis was taking others in his storm. Jonah's cruise was beginning to unravel, we'll say. The sailors started throwing their cargo overboard to save themselves. So he goes to Tarsus, gets on the ship. They go out. The storm comes. Y'all know the story to where the sailors had to start throwing things overboard. They were going to sink. Jonah's disobedience was affecting those around him. Can you see that? Your disobedience, my disobedience affects others. Matter of fact, you can take them down. They were innocent, but were losing everything. Jonah 1.5. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the waves that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. The storm wasn't their fault. Watch this. When we run from God, we always end up hurting those that are closest to us. It's a given. It's just a given. See, selfishness is the only thing that causes us to do that because we're more concerned about ourselves than we are others. So we're going to do it. I don't care if it hurts you or not. Now watch it. Eventually the sailors woke Jonah and asked him to pray to his God for their lives to be spared. You know the story. It's in Jonah 1, 9 through 12. And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord. Because he told them. He knew it. Then say they unto him, What shall we do thee, that the sea may be common to us? For the sea were all in temptress. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great temptress is upon you. Now, John was the point of suicide. He said, Listen, I'm the one who caused all this. Just throw me overboard, he says. 
And matter of fact, the name of this teaching is Man Overboard, if you want to know the name of the teaching. And reluctantly, the sailors threw Jonah overboard and the storm stopped. It stopped. The big question is, who's in your boat? Now, I'm going to go somewhere here. No man goes. Who's in your boat? Sometimes we experience a storm not because we are running from God, but because of who is in our boat. It's just the Word of God. You got to deal with it. Some of the storms you are experiencing maybe is not your disobedience, but the disobedience of others. That's something to think about, but it's just true. Some storms come because we have allowed a Jonah into our lives. Anyone rebelling against God is a potential Jonah. That may mean cutting ties and saying goodbye and walk away and throw them overboard. Is that too strong for you? That's just the truth of the Word of God. Now, there's a little more to the story. Let's look at it here. The sailors had tried hard to row through the storm and return to the land. Regardless, the sea grew more and more temptuous against them. Now, God saves Noah from himself. Somebody say glory. God saves Noah. Now, I want us to little understand something here. Now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, there's more to this story. It's not your job to save Jonah. See, he threw him overboard. They said, throw me overboard. Threw him overboard. The sailors discovered they were in a storm that was not there. They were in because of their disobedience, but the disobedience of another. They threw him off the boat because they knew they were not the ones to save Jonah. Now, we got to understand that as believers. Now, let's go on a little further, lest I run out of time. There comes a time when Jonah can no longer stay in your boat. God will deal with Jonah. Sometimes when you hold him in your boat, you're not allowing God to deal with him. You say, well, Alan, that sounds pretty harsh. Well, so be it. There he is. I want us to watch something here. Release Jonah to God. Some of us have our children. We have family members. We're in situations that do not seem what the world's going on. You've got to release the Jonas to God. That's all. You just got to release Jonas to God. You you got to understand some people, you're to take the word of the Lord and bam, something happens. Some people, I know of people that's been enabling people for 30 years. And God would have already turned it around if they'd have thrown them out of the boat. And say, well, God, Alan, that doesn't, I know that doesn't. I'm just reporting what God said. Now, the fish wasn't provided in order to destroy Jonah. The fish was provided to save him. Jonah was going in the wrong direction. God provided the fish to save Jonah, but the fish wouldn't appear until he was thrown overboard. You got In your life, you can't save anybody. We got to release all of our circumstances to God. 
And when we release them to God, you have just put it in a situation that the fish can show up. <laughs> can somebody hear what I'm saying? You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. Now, watch, watch here how it works. When you don't know how you got to where you are, God was getting you there all the time. Y'all heard me say that before. I mean, we sit around here, and everybody's sitting in this room. I, I can say that. You don't know how you got here, but you're sitting here. Matter of fact, most every this is the last place that you would have thought you would have been found sitting this Sunday morning, but you're here. And I submit to you the reason you're here is because God was getting you here all the time. And if you look back over your life's history, this was not in your plan. So what was going on? God was getting you here. He was getting us here. So Jonah wasn't planning on being in that fish's belly, but let's watch it. You might don't, maybe don't know how you got here, but just ask Jonah how he got there. Now, here we go. Do you have a Jonah in your boat, or are you a Jonah to others? Uh-oh, here we go. You got to decide who are we. <laughs> okay, some of us got a Jonah in your boat. Listen, well, let's, let me move on. I've, has God ever stepped in and saved you from your own disobedience? You see, I'm listening to the irony of this. God was sending Jonah to take a message of judgment to a people he refused it, and Jonah got the same message. Jonah had to live out what he was to give. Can anybody hear me? Now, you're going to find here that Jonah finally called out to God. Guess what? Fish showed up. God saved Jonah out of his mercy, not his judgment. When, now listen, when you do not deliver the message of God, you will have to live out that message. Can anybody hear me? You either give it or wear it. It's your call. See, once God gives you the message, the message is going forth. Rather, it's either through you or on you. She's going forth. This is the bitter sweetness of being a child of God. How do you like it? <laughs> it's hard. It's his loving judgment and mercy. Now watch it. So remember, Jonah had to live it out because he refused to give it. So he had to go through the very judgment of the disobedience. But God also showed him his mercy. But Jonah did something. Has God ever softened the consequences of your intentional disobedience? Have you experienced his mercy when you deserved punishment? Now remember that, prophetic people, in the day that we're living in America. When you see a transgender, you're looking for mercy, not judgment. Homosexuality. Whatever you want to cover. God has made us a promise. 
Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he, uh, it is he that doeth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Hebrews 13.5, Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Bless Jonah's little heart. God said these things. Bless Jonah's little heart. This was God. God will position himself so even when we can we run, he will be there and he's ready to save us. Somebody say hallelujah. God has already positioned himself at the end of our disobedience, somebody. Is that not wonderful? So God's already positioned himself for America. Now, prophets, you got to hear this. God's already positioned himself, but you still have to give the message. God's positioned himself already to bring America back to him. But we got to call out to him. I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Jonah 2 2. Jonah 2 2. God had already created the fish. He had already positioned himself to save Jonah. God heard Jonah even when he was running from him. Jonah was running away. He cried out to God. And God was there when others released him to him. The release is important. Release means you're trusting God with a given situation. When we find ourselves in a place of disobedience, we can reach out to our Father which art in heaven, and He will hear our cry. Somebody say, Amen. He will spit us out on dry land and walk with us as we complete our mission on this earth. Listen, I'm talking about a big God. I'm not about to cry even though I would. I just can't breathe. God has spit you out right here this morning. You find yourself here this morning. If anybody's hearing my voice online or in this room, and you think I'm not talking about you, you hadn't heard what I said. Just repent from your running. I asked the Lord in this a few weeks ago. I said, well, Lord, who's running? He said, everyone. I said, surely not everyone. He said, everyone. He said, all of my people are running. I said, oh, no, surely not. There you have it. Come back next week for part two if you're up to it. Test what I say. I believe that I've brought you the word of the Lord this morning. There's more to this story that you'll see next week. But God wants us to repent of our running. Some of us are wanting to run back. Some of us are wanting to carry our faith in God and live a worldly life. You just can't. It's too late. You're too old. You've been in it too long. As we repent and we take the message of the gospel, uh, let me tell you something. Let me enlighten you here. 90% of the people on the planet right now have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a new crowd here. Don't assume that people have heard the gospel because they haven't. It's a new crowd out here. 
we're all getting older. Everyone that's younger to, than you, 90% of them, never heard the gospel. We're on the planet that when you turn on your TV, we need 95% of the preaching done on there for salvation. Need the gospel going forward. I know a lot of us are wanting to go deeper in spiritual things. I get all that. I get all that. I'm for it all we can do. But I am telling you this. If 90% of your life is not given the gospel of the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ, to these people that's in the world that's dying, to everything that you're seeing, the judgment's going to come upon America too is because they haven't heard the gospel. Most of them are not rebelling against the gospel. They had never heard it. Can somebody hear what I'm saying? Well, let's stand lest I preach for another hour. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day. It is our prayer that you'd be with us. Lord, if there's anything that I've said that's not of you, I ask and pray that these people would judge it and it fall to the ground. If anything that I've said is of you and of your spirit, I pray that it'll be quickened to our hearts. We would be quick to repent and that we would allow us, oh God, that you said you will walk with us to finish the assignments that you have sent us here to do. So I commission everyone under the sound of my voice that you will complete the mission that God has called you to repent, quit running, take the message. In Jesus' name, amen.